am enjoying all of your uh, British accent exploits as I listen to episodes. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, yes! Oh, no! Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think no. we kind of fucking nail it. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, I missed what you said. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I have been off. listening to all of your uh, British accent exploits. Oh, no. The entire time. Being oh, like, no. Mm. <laughs> I... The, the 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 sequences are short, <laughs> so it's not it's not it's not bad. But there's a uh, there's a, a limit on kind of like tiny Cockney orphan one person can take. <laughs> Fair, but you oh. know what? Thank you. This is the shit we need to hear. <laughs> this, and I'm taking it personally, and I'm taking the note, this and I'm and I'm note. accepting the note. This so, is a note, a This is you. Those, this is how you sound. <laughs> Yep, uh huh. Yeah, like a real English person. <laughs> yeah. So we are in initiative order, and I think, correct me if I am wrong, but I believe we had ended the last combat at the end of a round. The things that I think are happening, Jonnet is currently hanging from the front of Metatron, who is wearing a falcon's hood. However, the hood does have a hole shot in it, so Metatron can see but just like partially okay Mm -hmm. john i believe you still have your revolver on you and you know your 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 sword and other weapons elsewhere in the ship we have on top deck gable wendell nodos and like kind of the tough boys are are up there they're currently dealing with the fact that there is a group of bird riders surrounding the uhuru who have thrown smoke bombs at the ship so far they were unsuccessful in actually hitting the deck of the ship with those smoke bombs so for the time being at least you're okay however there is the threat that these bird riders could come and get you. Then inside the ship around the place where the semaphore operates, Oromar and Travis are in a room with rowdy R's, mm-hmm. uh, members of the Uhuru crew who are dissatisfied with the job that Oromar has been doing as captain and have secretly been conspiring with another ship, the Silver Bullet, to steal the featherweave from the Uhuru's cargo and, you know, conduct business elsewhere. Big so, mistake. Huge, Mm -hmm. uh, because they get paid on commission. Um, (laughs) All right. So all that established, we're going to start things off with an NPC slot. Mm -hmm. And I believe there is this enemy ship, which currently has altitude on the Uhuru. Uh, It is 
uh, the silver bullet is flying much higher than the Uhuru is. So I am just going to have this ship. Yeah, they're going to drop some hull charges on you. We're in the middle of a big dive, though. You are in the middle of a big dive. And that, I believe, is going to count as a evasive maneuver. And that just upgrades the difficulty. Okay, so that is a complete wash. So what happens? You, Gable, are on the deck of the ship. You're braced against the dive right now. You can feel the wind rushing past you and blowing through your hair. You see the grim and determined faces of Wendell, Nodos, and the others around you as in the night, you're sort of like shining the rudimentary searchlights that you would have out into the night sky to try and find and track the bird riders who are currently on smaller birds. These are like doves and sparrows that are swarming around the ship. Against the side of the hull, these small explosions pop up and colorful smoke is now streaming off the side of your boat. It's not enough really to obscure your vision, but it is enough to let you know that they attempted to throw these smoke bombs at you. When the darkness of the night is lit up by a small flash and there is a crack of a large explosion as a barrel has been dropped from the ship above you and exploded mid-air, sending wood and shrapnel into the side of your hull. It bounces off harmlessly because the barrel did not land on deck, but you know that the ship above you is dropping hull charges. These are barrels packed with gunpowder and either rocks or lead slugs, perhaps grape shot, really anything that they might have lying around, including ballast, is packed into these barrels so that it can blow massive holes in the side of your ship should it impact properly. Mm. This is a very serious situation. We then turn to uh, the next in our initiative order, which is a PC slot. Who would like to take it? I will. John, it will. All right, John, you are dangling off of the front of Metatron. I, I think you are more locked in than you were earlier. I know you're clipped into mm-hmm. Metatron through a harness. So it's very disorienting but like you can more clearly see the birds that are currently swarming around the uhuru they have you know they they might be dim but they have lanterns that they are using to guide themselves so you can see these like dancing lights surrounding the ship you can see the colorful smoke coming up on either side of the hull and you can see the bird in front of you metatron currently still wearing a falcon's hood that thanks to a shotgun from one of the invading crew now has a big hole in it which is allowing metatron to see so they're not flying completely without visibility what do you do first things first john has got to get right side up so i am going to i would like to roll athletics feels like yeah athletics or coordination i think would be Mm. the way to go whichever is better for you 
they're the same. So I'll just do athletics. Sounds good. Uh, what am I rolling against? I am going to make this average now. Okay. You're a little bit less shocked. Yeah, yeah. that's too purple. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, wait, no. Okay, so that is, that's going to be one success and one threat. Okay. All right. So I, I think what it is, you are just in a tense situation. Metatron is starting to, you know, flap a little bit to move faster now that he can kind of see the battlefield around him, even though hawks aren't made to see at night. Like, he has an idea of what's going on, especially after the explosion that went off. There is a fight, and Metatron knows what to do in a fight. But that flapping has, you know, made your trip on dangling from the front of him a lot more chaotic. So it takes John at a little bit of effort. I think you take a strain just like getting yourself righted up on top of the saddle. But with a successful roll, I I think you can take an action, uh, a formal action this turn, rather than wasting everything on doing something that would otherwise be a maneuver in a less tense situation. So what do you do? So, yeah, I think Jonnet is clipped in to, I'd say, like, the saddle on Metatron. And so it's not in the normal spot where you would want to clip in. It's, like, maybe around, like, the base of the saddle where maybe, like, the rings for your boots would be. Mm. Um, So he's kind of clipped into a boot ring. And so he grabs the, the saddle. He is able to, like, pull himself up, swing his leg over so that he's very much hunched over on Metatron. And then he reaches forward and he just starts grabbing at the bag to kind of just, like, in the heat of it, it's probably a little haphazard. But he's just trying to rip it off of Metatron's head. Okay, perfect. I, I think you can do that with a maneuver easily, like un- unlatching something. Oh, okay, perfect. Head. Well, then, yeah, yeah. So then, I think he rips off the hood, pats Metatron on the side like twice. Like, You're okay, buddy. This is Jonnet. All right, we got work to do. And then we get like a a sweeping thing. And so I'm just going to maybe just roll to see the the landscape of everything as much as he can. Oh, perfect. I love that. Yeah. Give us a perception check. Okay. That's right. It's not very high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we need to. Yeah, we gotta, we to gotta work on this. <laughs> All right. Uh, what am I rolling against? So this, I am going to say average, like you're on top of a bird. It is a larger, faster bird than the ones that are currently attacking the ship. So yeah, you're, you're able to take in a lot of information pretty quickly. Oh, geez. So that is one advantage. Okay. One advantage and it's a wash on success and failure, which means I return to the well of the luminaries and see who answers the question. Uh, And appropriately, it is the soldiers. So they represent death, deception and memory. I am going to go with deception here. 
Jonnet, you survey the battlefield. You know, you are doing this arcing sweep around the ship to see as, as much as you possibly can. The trouble is your enemies, although they are using lanterns for the birds that they are having swarm your ship currently, are using hooded lanterns, which have very direct light coming out of them. It makes it really hard for you to get an appropriate count. The other thing is, you know, these are sparrows. These are flappy, flitty birds that are able to change direction very quickly. Um, You can see them, some of them like cling to the ship really quickly and then spring off so that they can continue flying around. Getting a count is difficult. More than that, Jonnet does have sharp eyes, even if it's not currently reflected in his stats. We know that at one build or another, Jonnet had a good perception check. So I do think you can see the cherry red glow in the night of a fuse on a hull charge coming down from the sky. And then like you shield your eyes as the flash of an explosion lights up the night sky and shrapnel hits the side of the Uhuru, thankfully not impacting the deck and most of the dangerous shrapnel just going elsewhere. With that, you feel like you should be able to look up and follow the path of that barrel down and see the attacking enemy ship. Unfortunately, it is really difficult to do that. There are a lot of clouds above you. The moon is bright out, which makes it so that it should be easy to see an enemy ship. But the silver bullet being painted silver actually is a ship that's pretty well suited to attacking an enemy ship during the night when there is cloud cover because the moon reflects off of their hull like it would reflect off of a cloud, making it really hard to pinpoint them. So you understand that there are birds attacking you. You understand that there is a ship that currently has altitude on the Uhuru dropping charges and the Uhuru having taken a dive is losing even more altitude. But that's kind of what you're able to understand right now. Yes, Jonathan. Am I able to see, because I know John had already pulled the move where he, he popped the flare. Is mm-hmm. there any kind of group of people that are that Jonna can see advancing on him right now I mean you do know that one of these enemy birds knows about you and has shot at Metatron oh, that's right like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I will say and you got an advantage right mm-hmm Yeah, so we'll give you that. Like, you know, the person, you can see like one of the lanterns kind of come around a bit and you go, that's got to be the guy who's after me. Okay. Uh, So you at least know that. Yeah. So so it's more like a, all right, first things first, we got to take care of this guy. And so then he continues on, but we don't see that because we're moving on. Yeah. And uh, I I just want to call out to the horse girls in our audience. Casey, you can set off the horse girl alarm here. (laughs) 
just so we can give people an idea of how saddling works and whatnot, because we talked about the hood. We talked about John at like kind of pulling himself up on the saddle. Saddles for birds in Skyjacks, uh, they're going to be Western style saddles with Western style reins, meaning something that you can hold and direct the animal with one hand, as opposed to the English style, which I'm sure there are other styles for riding horses, but I don't know them. I only know Western and English, and English is usually done with two hands. For racing birds and whatnot, you would probably use a two-hand grip, but especially for a bird that you might fight on, you want to have that free hand for your gun. So if you're out there in the audience, a horse girl completely lost on how are people riding these birds? What's the saddle set up there? Now you've got something. We know that Jonnet is clinging to that grip on a Western saddle and holding those reins with one hand. Do we know if the the way that you steer, is it, I forget the exact words, but is it direct steering or like opposite, you know, where you pull one way and inverted that way? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, inverted controls. I, I, you know, here's the thing. I think of the people who ride Gable's birds, I kind of feel like one of you uses inverted controls and you always switch it up when saddling the bird and that annoys Gable to know it. That's yeah. like John, it does inverts the, the up down mm. in, <laughs> instinctively. It's like, there's no reason to, it, it's not even I'm, to write. It, it makes does, me comfortable. I understand your comfort is paramount, but it's tangibly, technically useless. It's not even changing your dominant side. It's a difference of opinion. That's a different <laughs> fact is what this is. Two different facts fighting each other. <laughs> We come to another NPC slot, which I think we are going to go into the depth of the ship. The chaos of the dive has settled a little bit, and we've got a room full of rowdy R's. I think one of them is going to draw a gun and take a shot at Travis, have you revealed yourself to be on Oromar's side? I'm trying to remember the events that directly. I don't think so. I think that I made the captain aware of the situation, mm-hmm. but I don't. Oh, and you did that subtly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So then I think this Rowdy R is just going to draw a gun on the captain himself. Heck yeah. And take a shot. <laughs> And he is going to roll incredibly poorly, mm. really staggeringly poorly, <laughs> as it's just dice. one Oof. failure. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we, we can say it is still very chaotic mm. uh, in, in here. You know, even if you're bracing yourself from the dive, there's just like gravity dropped out from beneath you and you're pinned to the side. So like, you know, they, they pull a gun and this is like one of the classic Skyjacks revolvers. They are these huge four shot revolvers. The smell of black powder and a flash lights up the room and we can feel like a bullet zing past Oromar, but it does not impact him at all. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Which brings us to a PC slot. Um, let Travis go first. <laughs> yeah, I can go. Who am I... 
This is not a very Travis. big room, correct? <laughs> Thank you. I I will say, yeah, we'll, we'll have this room be kind of big. The, the thing about anything inside the hull of the ship, most ships are done with an open concept layout. There aren't a lot of like boxed off and divided rooms. The exceptions being Dreth's office, the captain's quarters, and the bathroom. Pretty much everything else on the ship is open, maybe with supports or cargo actually piled up to channel people into different spaces. That's why the resale value is so high. The open concept. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, this ship was designed by the Property Brothers. Uh, so, again, a lot of open concept, a lot of, lot of light grays and whites. The Kitchen so Island is very tasteful on this thing. <laughs> okay. Then I will. Are these? Here's a question that shows that I know at least some rules. Are the rowdy R's being treated as individuals, or are they being treated as? Oh, what is it? Is it minions? Yeah. Or so Rocco is considered a you know a lieutenant. This is a named villain who you all understand is acting uh, alone and has his own pool of hit points. Meanwhile, the other rowdy R's in the room are being treated as minions, uh, so their HP is grouped together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Rocco has been flung out of the door to the room. <laughs> yep. I should also do the, the other rowdy R's, they are wearing kind of like overalls and goggles. They have extremely jaundiced yellow skin and they giggle to each other really often. Horrifying. <laughs> I was going to say, are they like Team Rocket and the Rocco's like a Rocket admin, but you've described more of a like an Albed circumstance here. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's more uh, like you look at these people and like kind of a, a, a racist meme sort of like pops in your mind, I think, as soon as you look at them. Mm. Uh, they, they giggle about bananas quite frequently. We're flinging all I, of them through this door. All of them on. are going. <laughs> Get them off the ship. Nathan, have you seen this movie? Uh, Have you gotten gotten the minions across the pond yet? Actually, this is really important. I did want Uh, to make sure. Do the minions do racist memes in the UK? Because that's a big problem we have here in the United States. No, I didn't know that that was a specific thing about the minions. Uh, Facebook. They don't take a lot of my brain space. So that joke went immediately (laughs) over my head until it reacted. It was like, oh, Groups of bad racist moms in the United States will use the minions Mm. to make completely inappropriate memes that are all kind of icky feeling even if they're not racist they feel bad minions would definitely have been leave and not remain (laughs) (laughs) fair understood i understand completely um and Um, grew is here he's a nemesis let's move on oh god Okay, yeah, then I'm just going to go for um, whoever. It doesn't matter if they're minions. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to shoot. I'm just going to start shooting. Let's just start shooting. Hey, let's just start shooting. Let's, let's not even shoot. bother to aim. Mm-hmm. Shoot first, aim later. That's what I always say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is going to be uh, ranged light, yeah? And yeah. what's the difficulty? I know it's always the same, but I don't know what it is. It is average, two purple dice. Okay, easy. 
There will be the added black die that you must roll because we are in the middle of a dive right now. Uh, that's fine. It's still a success and a triumph. So. Oh. 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 oh boy! <laughs> All right. What's the what's the damage on your weapon there, Travis? Oh god damn it! I don't know. How the fuck am I supposed to know? <laughs> I, well, there is a character sheet that kind of tells you this. Uh, I also have a revolver, so I have. Assuming the stats oh. are the same. Yeah, the e- stats would. Uh, well, actually, no. Yours is good. Uh-huh. Mine yours is better than Travis. <laughs> mine is uh-huh. six damage and crit four. Mm. Okay, excellent. So six damage. Yeah, you're definitely going to take out two of these rowdy R's with this action. So please describe what happens. So what I want to happen is not what is going to happen. So I'll describe what I want to happen first. And what I want to happen is I want to be able to make the bullets curve like in Wanted because (laughs) I have started knitting and the knitting told me that that's what I should do. Uh But what will actually happen, I think, is... I will kind of turn around in like a flourish because they still don't know that I am not on their side. Mm -hmm. So I'll turn around and I think like I'll real quick, like get just get two shots in, like as I'm turning on two of the two of the R's. So just kind of in in a big sweeping motion and I'll get that cool like pulling the hammer back and like shooting multiple times as I turn. Yeah. So so you want to you want to fan. So. Mm Travis, you are making a very important decision about your gun right now and that it is a single action revolver because that's the only kind of revolver you'd be able to fan the hammer. You know, with. you know how cars, some cars you can you can have it in automatic, but then you can also like move the shifter to the side and then you can tap shift for no reason. My gun I really like that. My gun does that. <laughs> I do I do like that. I, I think it's mechanically impossible unless <laughs> unless there's what, magic what I, in this world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of what I think would be fun is if Travis has a I'm gonna say it's a weapon from a Japan, uh, because Italian folks are are known for trying out really weird and silly design for for their guns. Hmm. So I like the idea you have a double trigger revolver where one trigger oh. activates a double action and the other trigger activates a single action. To Wild. fan the hammer, you need to hold down the trigger of a single action revolver and pull the hammer back because that will allow it to just spring back on its own instead of mm. being stopped by a double action. So I just like the idea that Travis has this otherwise unremarkable revolver. However, it can do this thing that allows him to fan the hammer. And of course, it is a Japanese a design which means that it has like a lot of like fancy kind of filigree on it It, it, it's beautiful and singular as would be an italian design so yeah with this really casual kind of sweeping motion you shoot and two rowdy r's just hit the pavement and by pavement i of course mean floorboards of the uhuru and then start to slide it's the (laughs) They start rolling and sliding (laughs) off to the side. Hey, heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the mid-roll. 
Heroes OneShot is supporting the 2021 IGDN Diversity Sponsorship, a program that helps game designers from many different backgrounds attend the Metatopia Game Design Festival. Metatopia is an incredible resource to the gaming community, connecting designers with audiences to playtest their in-process designs. Metatopia also provides opportunities for designers to sit down with their peers and get professional feedback. This can be an incredibly helpful experience, especially for emergent designers or designers who haven't had access to larger communities. Which means this sponsorship will help gaming become more inclusive. All sponsorship recipients receive money. That money can cover travel to Metatopia, lodging, and a food stipend. In addition, there are lots of other benefits, like mentorship from IGDN members, one-on-one meetings with well-known industry professionals, a year of free membership to the IGDN, and social media support for their work. This is an amazing program, and the OneShot Network is proud to support it, and we'd like to ask you to join us. Every year, the IGDN reaches out to the gaming community to run a fundraiser so they can open up additional slots for this sponsorship. If you'd like to support, you can head to fundly.com slash 2021-IGDN-diversity-sponsorship. All donations are appreciated, and the OneShot Network is going to start matching up to $1,000 of donations on September 20th. So either head to that link or follow the link in our show notes to give your support. Before we get back to the show, we've got to take a quick minute and thank some of our backers on Patreon. First up, we have a name correction. Mara Leiden, thank you so much. Charlie Heidkamp, thank you. Inea, thank you so much. Kit Fai Chong, thank you. Bryn D. Barton, thank you so much. Roman Niederberger, thank you so much. Timothy Myers, thank you very much. Robert Bartlett Schneider, thank you. Rika Seles, thank you so much. Emerald Ashcan, thank you very much. Sophie B., thank you. Christine Berry, thank you so much. Giovanni, thank you. Jeremy Lewis, thank you so much. Grizzbiz, thank you. Allison Kelly, thank you very much. Gwyn Rumbold, thank you so much. Aaron Clark, thank you. Nicholas Greensmith, thank you so much. Kevin Wilson, thank you very much. Charlie Warhol, thank you. Bobby Banner, thank you very much. Bianca Vento, thank you so much. Lisa Rose, thank you. Nirav Shanghani, thank you. Sarah H., thank you very much. Joseph Adelman, thank you. Stephen Glazio, thank you so much. Juan Valdez, thank you. Jason Strong, thank you very much. Michael Seville, thank you. Nick Renshaw, thank you so much. And Al McLeod, thank you. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We wouldn't be able to make this show without you. I do have new and exciting content coming to the OneShot Patreon soon. It is Skyjack's relevant content, and it is a bonus series. I am so close to finishing my edit of it, uh, then I pass it off to another editor, probably Allie Grauer. So we will have it ready within the next couple of weeks. I I hope it really depends on my schedule more than Allie's, but it is going to be so good. If you want to hear it, be sure to sign up for our Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and join us. That not only gets you the bonus content and on this list of backers, but it helps us do what we do. Right now, we are very close to losing weekly skyjacks. 
Now, in the last lean months, I have built up a bit of a stock, so I'm going to keep Skyjacks weekly through this month. I just want to make sure that we hit that $8,500 mark again by next month so I don't have to start making hard choices about my budget. So if you like what you're listening to, please consider joining us on Patreon. And with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Which brings us to an NPC slot. I think I'm going to have two of these rowdy R's just rush Travis is what I want. Mm. I wonder. I guess I would have to activate the thing on my turn. There is a thing that I can do to make that worse, but I uh, I guess I have to wait until it's my turn to activate that ability or not. Yeah, which you can grab the next PC slot. Ah, it's active like. maneuver. Got it. Understood. Hey! The enemy succeeds at doing something, which (gasps) is great for me. I would love for you to be challenged by a combat just once. So this is good. Um, That is a success and a or No, it's a success and an advantage. Um, Hmm. So lots of cool things happen for them. Travis, I think you are tackled to the ground. This is going to be just five damage coming at you. So so be sure to subtract your soak. Okay. Okay. I I think that's probably three damage overall. I think your soak is two. My soak is only one, unfortunately. Oh. Hmm. Well, we'll deal with that later. The other thing that happens is that your gun is knocked from your hand and goes skittering across the deck of the ship and skittering even farther because it is currently in the middle of a dive right now. Also, there are two shots remaining in that revolver before it needs to be reloaded. Mm -hmm. Just a a thing to keep in mind. uh, Maybe write down somewhere on your sheet. Oh, we're reloading our guns now? It's a combat, bud. It's a combat. We've never had to reload. There's no fucking way. Man, Nathan shows up, makes us play the fucking game. (laughs) Don't blame me for this. (laughs) (laughs) you've had plenty of time to learn the rules and it's so much more tense right now what called me play um it's all good (laughs) all of my guns are disposable single use they're disposable (laughs) only only single shot guns (laughs) yeah um yeah so we we come to another pc slot Mm -hmm. i think i will take that maybe an action too late but it's all good it's a good time to use this now um just to check when something is a maneuver action that means it's not going to take up my acting turn it's just my my attacking turn it takes my move if that was one sure um that's correct yeah i think when Oromar attacked Rocco, the leader of the Rowdy Rs, in the force of the attack, and maybe not cognizantly, the tips of the fingers of that hand, the bone kind of jutted out as it had landed in Rocco's skin as it was flung out the room. And <laughs> that hand is now dripping with blood, obviously. And uh, as yeah. uh, he stabilizes himself on either side of the door from that attack from before, he kind of like looks... I guess now up 
at the the kind of people trying to pile on on Travis and slams on the wall the floor the hardest surface nearby with one hand to make a loud noise and as like some of the rowdy eyes kind of like turn to look at him he gestures up the bloody hand and looks like he and is grinning so so wide and I'm using my talent of challenge once per encounter your character may use this talent to choose a number of adversaries within short range a minion group counts as a single adversary uh, until the encounter ends all my characters inca- incapacitated they get a blue die to attack me but two black die to attack anyone else oh that's great Perfect. so uh, yeah Oromar taunts the rest of the rowdy R's like I just like flung your boss out of the room like he was uh, discarded trash American words <laughs> I'm learning things. Did not know trash was exclusive. Uh, rubbish cool. is more is more the, the British terminology of it, I suppose. It feels right that we should have invented trash. <laughs> Great. Then I guess they get an attack action, and I'm not. I, I guess since we're already feral, since we've already gone and tried to claw somebody, I guess that continues. And Oromar just kind of like almost kind of scuttle crawls across the floor, like digging his hands and feet into the woods to get purchase. Crawls towards the nearest rowdy R, <laughs> and yeah, we'll say that you are lower than them, so you actually do have to like climb and claw your way across the deck and various tied down cargo to reach the fun. Mm-hmm. And just watching Oromar just kind of advance tirelessly across the floor in a, a weird position to one. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go and use, since I'm not even using the weapon, it would be Brawl, I guess, to go mm-hmm. and uh, bring it to him, uh, which is yellow and three green. What is the, is the yep, difficulty? Against an average? average two purple. Oh no, that's not Oh, actually... Actually, equates to a success and an advantage. Okay. Success and advantage. And what is Oromar's brawn? Uh, my brawn is four. Oh, this is going to murder one. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we've got two people who are like on top of Travis right now, having tackled him to the ground. What does it look like as you take one of those people? away from this fight and work. Yeah, I think one of them is up in Travis's face and is maybe yelling at them, or, which we can't quite hear over the like sounds of explosions and stuff going on overhead. And uh, Travis, as you're like looking at this figure, they are pulled away and look surprised as they are yanked backwards. And out of the side of your vision, you see it being slammed against the deck multiple times <laughs> until it just, like until it goes limp. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I really like the idea that, like, we're in Travis's perspective right now, and his, like, vision is kind of swimming and blurry a little bit. And there's a person yelling something in his face, and then we can just see Oromar's very large, powerful fingers, like, wrap around part of that person's face. Peel them away. (laughs) Peel them away. And then in the periphery, we hear the slamming and smacking and, like, sickening crack of someone being dispensed by a very, very powerful undead man. Mm. And 
And that brings us to a PC slot. And probably this is either going to be Gable or the Uhuru itself. And it looks like Gable's raising a hand. I would love to. My name's Gable and I wait my turn patiently. I'm So yeah, we zoom from Travis's perspective up to the top deck mm. with Gable. Okay. We are currently in a dive. I'm going to use James's wonderful little skyship rules. Because as far as I'm concerned, I think this battle is going to be, for me, mostly boat. And it would behoove me to learn how to do boat. How to boat. How to boat. How to do boat. After seeing both the attempted boarding party and the exploding barrels, not great, my intention is to both deepen the dive and speed it up. I don't know. I don't know if I can do both at the same time. But if I could, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, you should definitely be able to do both. They are both maneuvers. Um, so basically what you're able to do vis-a-vis ship combat is usually one maneuver and one action or two maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Two places. So, okay, so you, you have two options here. Do you want to move down one like range band or two? If you move down two range band, you are going to have to put strain on your system. Currently, the Uhuru, you know, is in this dive. There are on the ship guide sails. There are also the furnaces. Anything that you do, there's there's a rigging. Anything that you do could put strain on the essential like systems of your ship. Making it move faster, making it turn, making it do things could put strain on those steering systems, on those furnace systems. So when you do actions like this, you have to think about the fact like, do I want to accomplish more and potentially put strain on the system or do I just want to accomplish this very basic thing? Okay. I don't mind putting strain on the system Mostly because I feel like the more we can avoid direct contact with any of those external threats, the quicker we can be out of this. So all right, I want to um, go down two, I guess. Okay. So going down two and accelerating. The other thing uh, that you have to think about, let's see, is... You can just move up to the Uhuru's top speed of five. There are no penalties for moving at top speed. But if you go above your top speed, things start to get hairy for you. So you move your speed up one without rolling. Yeah. So yeah, you sink farther in your dive and we're going to put down some strain here. Liz, what systems do you think you're putting strain on? Do you think you're putting strain on the furnaces by like increasing the burn to have your feather weave like point you down? That that might be counterintuitive with the feather weave. Or do you think it's the steering systems, like your guide sails and how you're flattening them or the wind is tearing at them in this dive? I think it's definitely more mechanical, like guide sails, especially like, so you're in a dive, right? And- mm-hmm. Boats are big. They're not really supposed to be doing this. So steering is like more trying to keep everything level. But as it's going down, it's kind of like a bird putting out its two wings trying to slow it down. But the guide sails aren't really supposed to be used for that. So I think we're going to be looking at potentially breakage on the guide guide sails. Yeah. So we've got three strain here. What I'm going to do is put two strain on the guide sails. The other thing that I'm actually going to do is... I'm going to put some strain on your canopy rigging. 
I kind of think like the rigging that holds the balloon canopy to the rest of the ship in a dive like this is just starting to really get some pull on it. You are now flying at a really low altitude. And the important question comes up, and this can be a group question, is what does the landscape beneath the Uhuru look like right now? Hmm. We're not too far away from the kind of coastal area with the Leviathans, huh? Uh, you you are at least like a couple hours away from there because like that's where the the trip was mm-hmm. and like the people flew back on the birds to meet up with the sure. ship so it could still be coastal mm. it doesn't have to not be coastal oh um, we're flying over a river yep Ooh, <laughs> yeah. okay very frightening like in a valley I, like dipping down into a river that's rushing through like a really heavy river i yeah i like the idea you are now uh, th- there is low altitude and then there is extreme low uh, extreme low it would be like kissing treetops or you know like right above the ground Low altitude is these things like very tall trees might be able to scrape the bottom of the ship, but otherwise, like you are not really in danger of the ground. But this river itself, and I like the idea of this being a river delta, of there being like this kind of spidery, veiny, like rip of different streams beneath you as you are. I I think the wind surrounding your ship, it's still enough that your ship like causes ripples on the water as it dives down, pours out around you. But you are at this point are at an extreme distance from the silver bullet above you. The silver bullet is going to have to drop quite a bit before it actually catches up with the Uhuru. And now, Liz, it turns to the Uhuru's turn. The crew of the Uhuru gets to act, which you can also spend on doing more ship stuff or really however the group of you together would like. Just like in the battle with the Mariner in Nordia, the crew sort of acts as one unit and rolls together based on which named crew members you want to attach to actions and potentially put at risk and what their current morale is like. I have sort of zeroed out their current morale because the Uhuru did just get a big payday. Mm -hmm. Um, This isn't a battle that they necessarily wouldn't want to participate in, but at least the Rowdy R's are actively committing an act of mutiny against the rest of the crew. Mm -hmm. So, it's not like everyone's super jazzed right now, but you know the loyal members of the crew are loyal and in for this fight. Mm-hmm. So there's no bonus or penalty there. I do have a question about what does the dive do for like their roles, or is it just um, like they have to make up the distance and the and the speed? So basically, they would have to spend actions dropping down to get you back in a reasonable range like they were kind of already pretty far away they're at this point their snipers or any charges they dropped are just not gonna hit you you're also you're going at a very fast speed so it's going to be difficult for them to get you all right i leave it to the floor Mm. i was thinking because we like a good grappling hook on this boat we do 
carabiners, <laughs> yes. Maybe it's uh, kind of getting them to prepare for a shot. So if the silver bullet decides to come too close, we're already prepared to latch it and then maybe use that to lever them into an object since we're quite close to the ground. Because, hey, uh, they might find it very difficult to navigate around cliff faces or trees uh, if they also have to fight against our pull. So if we prepare that for when they approach, maybe. Yeah, honestly, the idea of you hitting them with a grappling hook and then accelerating very fast in the sky to kind of like whip them into the ground beneath you is extremely fun and appealing. The other thing that I'll point out, they're very far away. So like with with these grappling hook, I could allow you to like ready an aim. Yeah. And basically you'd spend a maneuver and that will make whatever eventual grappling role even yeah better. no I'm, I'm making that as a suggestion for the long game for when they you know if they do decide being like oh we need to take it up close and personal and they come up mm-hmm. and we're like aha we've already prepared <laughs> well then the question nathan i have for you is who is aiming this grappling hook right now uh i'll remind everybody there are these giant kind of sort of siege weapon style crossbows on either side of the uhuru Mm -hmm. that are attached to these extremely strong grappling lines that you use to hook onto ships for boarding and whatnot Mm -hmm. but if there is a named npc that you would like to attach to this action it puts them Mm -hmm. at greater risk for the uhuru death chart however it also increases their range of success Mm -hmm. people are going to call me a fake fan because i'm bad with names so i'll be like oh this guy but um let's see i mean you nathan you are not a a fake fan you are an employee of our company uh and those are very distinct things meaning you you don't have to know the things fans know you have to know the things that johnny o'mara knows Mm -hmm. and i don't think he holds himself to a high standard i've never held myself to a high standard for anything Uh also johnny you saying that while like your head head is barely in frame (laughs) 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 you are so reclined with a tamagotchi I've genuinely been like on the fence about buying a Tamagotchi for like four months. <laughs> Get one of those R2D2 ones. Oh, I know. I wow. think I probably have to. Yeah. Wouldn't you love the experience of accidentally killling, killing R2D2? R2D2? Uh-huh. He's not dead. He just. He's in low power he's mode. Again. Uh, has, I, I forget if Nodos has manned the, the grappling hooks before. I feel like Nodos would be a perfect candidate yeah, for yeah. this. This this sounds like very his. I want somebody solemn with those expressions. So I look at this thing being kind of like, I can make that shot. So yes, I would like to put <laughs> Nodos up for for, for, for aiming. A solemn, very solemn man. <laughs> yeah, Nodos grabs his spear, flips it upside down, unhooks himself from where he is clipped into the main mast, and planting his spear as he goes, runs across the deck of the ship to one of the grappling lines. Uh, He hooks himself into the gunner's seat and then fixes the line on the sky. And we can see sort of the scant stars of a skyjack sky and the heavy brightness of the full moon reflect off of Nodos's eyes as he searches for the glint coming from the clouds above that he believes is going to be the silver bullet. So as long as Nodos focuses his aim on this 
and doesn't do other things, he is going to have an extra green die for when he is finally able to take that shot. So yeah, we've got Nodos there. That aiming, I'm going to call that a maneuver. So we have either an action or another maneuver left for the crew. Tyler, you look like you had an idea. Yeah. Can we scramble some other birds? (gasps) Yeah. In my head, I want to, I, for whatever reason, I, I want to be joined in the air by Pliff and maybe, and someone else from like the B team. Oh, this is Pliff and Jane, right? Yeah. Well, they're is... on, they were on deck with me. Oh, okay. 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 But no, but that doesn't mean that they can't come down. That they, doesn't mean they can't do this. Yeah. Like they the, could call the, the, the birds to them. And I feel like Pliff is due for, especially coming back from the bachelor party, mm-hmm. Pliff is due for some, some heroics. <laughs> I like this a lot. So we're, we're going to zip back in time pretty quickly. Uh, Jane is on top deck too, if I recall properly. Jane and Gable were helming together. That's that's what it was. Jane was uh, controlling the altitude helm and Gable was steering the actual ship. So we cut back in time to the night sky as the smoke is starting to billow up where we're seeing these other birds around the ship and then off to the side of the ship we can see the red flares from Metatron shoot out as Cliff notices and calls out uh, there's a bird in the sky uh, uh, Metatron it's it's out there and I don't know if we want to decide that like the crew has color-coded flares I kind of like the idea that like Jonnet, as a younger member of the crew, I think Jonnet has the same color flares as, like, the orphans. So, like, yeah. if a red flare goes off, it's like, this is a high-priority mm. person to rescue. Mm. This person is not somebody that we want to leave out on their own. Yeah, Cliff goes, it's, it's one of the kids! We've got to do something! And Jane swears and turns to Bowser. Bowser, being on deck, having received the lessons, same as everyone else, takes the controls from Jane. And Jane grabs Pliff's hand. And there is a critical decision that they're going to make that is going to affect how difficult it will be for them to scramble birds. Because one thing that we know from the meta perspective is that currently the Rowdy R's are holding the full deck where the birds are because they are trying to kick the cargo out of one of the bird launches. So if Pliff and Jane decide to run down the stairs to pick up birds, things are going to be difficult for them. They may have to fight their way out. However, they could also do the ridiculous Uhuru bravado thing and jump down the side of the ship to get at the birds faster. So I am going to pull a luminary and see what action they might be taking. And... This luminary is the island, uh, which is bad, bad, bad. Uh, So, well, stairs, stairs, stairs. This, well, this is actually an interesting question, and I want to put it to one of you. 
So the themes here are imprisonment, doom, and the cursed sea. So the option here, the decision here, I think, you know, it is still between the stairs and and going over the side of the ship. The bad possibility is they could take a line over the ship and actually be dragging in the river or just above the river because there's too much slack in the room. Mm. So those, those are the options. What are people feeling? What's the... What's the adventure we would like to have? I mean, I love the idea. All good car chases need uh, we're dangling off the side of a thing while trying to avoid other things. That's always nice. Also, oh, if this gosh. raises I wish the they had wakeboards. Oh, if... I wish they had wakeboards. <laughs> oh. If this raises the oh. stakes that the this river is like, you know, a very bad capital V, capital B river, like spiritually, magically, or whatever, that's fun because I want to throw a rowdy R in there. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, we can just fill this river delta with hippos. Um, which extremely dangerous. Oh, can it be the like weird seal hippo thing that they were hunting before because we're in the same neck of the woods um, and those things go way fast with right. the crushing power of nope. the jaws yeah you don't want to fall on that they're <laughs> elephant seals right or oh no you well so the, they're elephant leopards. seals mixed with leopards there seals. we go Sorry. so it's just bad they've got huge huge mouths very powerful jaws I yeah i Gosh, think what James, m- let them water ski please Please let the water. Okay. <laughs> okay. But is, we never ask you for anything. <laughs> Please. Will the we will the river water is still bad water, yes. That was kind of my All question. water is bad. All water is bad. Like the the you have to create specific context for water to be non-threatening. But it's bad for different reasons. You know, the sea is cursed there are still dangerous things that live in lakes and ponds and whatnot but it is not bad to the extent that the mariner's water is bad and all rivers kind of have an association with rusalka who is known for killing people so you know it's all bad in its own Mm. way so yeah we're going to have pliff and jane jane will grab pliff's hand they will hook Pliff into the end of a rope and they jump over the side of the ship trying to get to the bird launch quickly. Pliff, I think, awkwardly bounces off of the side of the ship and goes into more of a water ski position. Jane, I think, actually gets to the bird launch. However, we have, you know, the island was the luminary that we drew for this. So Jane shows up immediately on Lucas's side, which is both good and bad for for her. As being on Lucas's side, Jane immediately sees the cargo that is loaded up, ready to be kicked out the side of the Uhuru, which is boxes of the golden feather weave that they rescued from the belly of the civility. It is currently blocking the launch for Lucas, the extremely surly peacock aboard the Uhuru. And also probably not the bird that you want to take out into a desperate and difficult flying situation, but you know, you do what you can. 
Meanwhile, Pliff is going to have to make a hard check to maintain water skiing, go into a water ski, and uh, not get chomped on by these horrible seal creatures. I believe in Pliff. (laughs) I am going to give Pliff a blue die because he did have this. He's got this hero moment kind of impending right now. We've got expectations for him. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that is a wash with three threats. Oh. Very pliff. Very pliff. Okay. And the luminary that I pull to sort the wash is the audience, which is the most exciting and most dramatic thing happens. Mm-hmm. So Pliff immediately lands into a water ski and is water skiing on this line behind the Uhuru, you know, really just doing this with his boots, the bottom of his boots, and screaming the entire time. He has to lean and steer himself across this water ski because it's a delta. So he has to make sure that he's still doing it on water and doesn't end up getting dragged across land. Meanwhile, behind Pliff, fanned out in like a hunting V are, I'm going to say, four of these awful seal creatures, which are lunging forward out of the water, trying to grab at his coattails. (laughs) Oh, gosh. As all this is happening, like, so everyone's on the deck participating in the driving of the ship. I don't think a lot of us heard what happened or heard Pliff see John in. So as far as we know, we were all steering. We turned around, saw Pliff and Jane jump over the side. (laughs) A bunch of us run over like, huh, where are you? See Jane swing in. And then all of a sudden, like, Pliff is just wakeboarding (laughs) alongside a bunch of (laughs) elephant seals. And we all look at each other like, well, never mind that. <laughs> That's that seems like Pliff stuff. <laughs> never mind that. That's Pliff stuff. That's Pliff stuff. From a single spark, a roaring fire, and from but a single word, the beginning of a tale. Welcome back, my friends, to the fireside. Goodness, it's been a turn of the glass, has it not? (laughs) But regardless, we are so very happy to see you. Pull up a stump, and let's get to telling some stories, shall we? Now... What shall I, Coriander Swiftwell, regale you with? A daring swashbuckling epic? A tragical comedy? A sweet and tender romance that would... Well, whatever you want to hear, we will tell. So, what will it be? I beg your pardon? You want to know about the Red Feather Syndicate? Such an unpleasant topic. But I'm nothing if not a man of my word. So, 
If the syndicate is what you wish to hear about, then so be it. Now, you know how things are done here in Thornvale. All of us working together to make sure everyone has everything they need. If you need a coat, then, well, I'm sure someone has a hammer down, or I bet you that Oakland Winchester can make you one if you help them win their shop. Or maybe you could trade them a new coat for all those apples you picked out of the communal orchard. We make sure everyone has what they need, and also what they want. Like that big cello we uh, all pitched in and had brought in last year for Allison Popple. <laughs> Goodness, do you remember how she smiled for weeks after that? Mm. That is how we work. And it is, by extension, how the courier service works. In barter or trade for the most part, and money here and there in other parts. But this is not how the red feathers work. Oh, not by all the stars in the empty sky. Now, you see, I was but a young man in my twenties when the name of the Red Feather was spoken and began to spread in our world. In those early days, the Red Feathers did two things. The first was that they made feather weave, the remarkable fabric that makes flying sky ships in the very profession of the skyjack possible. With just a little heat, that fabric will go high into the sky and carry large weights with it. And the second thing that they've done was they were merchants. Seems simple enough. You make a product in high demand, and then you sell it. Common business, and there's nothing wrong with business or money or even feather weave. By the time I was in my 40s, though, there were just over about a thousand ships in the sky. Our four Aldrin's number among them. I was, at first, uh, hesitant to purchase the weave we needed for our ships, but for thinner, ever the four-sided one convinced me otherwise. And I was very glad of it, too. About the time I entered my fifties, though, the syndicate did something I would only describe as monstrous and greedy. They stopped producing feather weave. They declared that all weave ever made was by rights theirs. And that the transfer of weaves, and therefore ships, not approved by them, was wholly illegal. What followed was uh, a desperate fight between the families and companies of them that had purchased their weave and the red feathers for what could be called the soul of mercantilism. I, even at the time, felt strong enough to send the Yellow Aldrin to be part of that fight. Captain, by yours truly. And I would hesitate to call it a war, but by the looms, it wasn't the closest we'd seen since the stars fell. But those are different tales for another time. Since the uh, Declaration of Ownership, as the red feathers call it, the syndicate has been nothing if not ruthless in its acquisition of control over transportation, shipping, and the weave of other companies and families. Many of my colleagues from that time were shocked by how absolutely inhumane the red feathers seemed to become almost overnight. I, however, was not surprised. I had been there for the company's infancy. I had seen how it had grown, and I had seen those that had cared for it had raised it as if it was their own child. The lessons they taught that child were horrible. You see, the high-level red feathers, the manager generals, the high-level admirals, the directors of boards and fleets do not see you and me or anyone as a true person. We are but pieces on a board in a game that never ends to them. If our usefulness wanes, then what is the point of keeping us about? Think of the red feathers like this. The syndicate is like a beast. 
A greedy, unruly beast raised by cruel men who have only a mind for what they want and what they think they deserve. This beast consumes everything and everyone in its path. And at the end of the day, it regurgitates its acquisitions at the feet of its masters. And they live comfortable lives while the beast continues to feed on the less fortunate, the vulnerable, and the innocent even. They hold this beast by a short and tenuous chain that could snap at any moment. And the beast has no love. It has no conscience nor any idea of good or bad or even what is hurtful. It does not look on the men who raised it as anything but food. And it will devour them at the first glimpse of weakness. It is always hungry and never satisfied. And it will devour the very men who have nurtured it so long and carefully. And if it will do that to them, what does it do to those at the very bottom? The idea is horrifying to me. And had the Red Feather stopped a bureaucracy in business, then maybe, just maybe, we would speak of them today as a dark and ugly part of our past. Some sort of desperate attempt to pull ourselves out of the muck once the stars fell. But no, 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 no. They did not stop there. For the Red Feathers took all their money and influence and made for themselves a fleet of warships, the likes of which I had never seen. Their soldiers are countless, their firepower prodigious, and their will to dominate relentless. And I will tell you, the mixture of great power and absolute apathy for the lives of others is a dangerous thing, as much as it is terrifying. You know, I, I have a love for a great many things in this world, and I'm always hesitant to say that I, I hate something. So know that when I say I hate the Red Feather Syndicate, you know my full meaning. I will lay down my life to make sure that their flag never flies in Thornvale, or that the shadows of its ships never darken our valley. I cannot abide it. I will not. And as much as it makes me angry, it also makes me sad. There is so much good in this life, my friend. There are such comforts that cannot be bought. The warm hug of a loved one, Good food, good company, the laughter and joy of those around us, all can be given freely and make the world a difference. If we can be anything else, we can at least be kind. And if the world will not let us be kind, then we fight for the right to be kind to everyone, regardless of who they are, where they come from, or what they love or believe. That is at least what I believe. And it is how I have chosen to spend my entire life. It's pointing me in the right direction, I think. Now, I must say, I do not begrudge those that call themselves Red Feathers out of necessity. Or because it is their only option. I do not hate all Red Feather soldiers or airnairs or clerks or whatever. These are people. Merely surviving the best they can. I do hate those that pull their strings, though. Those that sit at heavy-laden tables on soft golden chairs while those that they employ starve in the cold streets. I hate that they have the power to help so many, and yet they do not. With a snap of their fingers, they could make so many of the ills of our world vanish, and yet they choose not to. Disgraceful, if you ask me. Especially when there is more than enough for everyone, and I mean everyone. Disgraceful. Beware the red feather, my friend. Beware their promises. Beware their justifications for the things they do. Beware the slippery slope they would pull you on and the things that they will softly push you to. 
to where their ships on the horizon and the shadow they would cast upon in your heart. And remember, always remember, that mercy and kindness are the strength that makes us mighty. Now I promise we will talk of happier things, of lighter tales, and perhaps of joy. But for now, let us sit and mourn the dead hearts of those that feel so little towards their fellows. Well, I am in need of some more good cider. <laughs> are you not? How's about you and I go up to the house and we fill our mugs, shall we? It's free of charge. That's my promise. Always has been. And always will be. Come along. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Skyjacks Courier's Call an all-ages-friendly actual play podcast set in the world of Sphere. Skyjack's Courier's Call follows three teens as they set out as new apprentices aboard an airship with the Swiftwell Courier Service, bringing mail and adventure across the world. Featuring Drew Merzieski, Palomi Pertap, Aaron Catano saez and Ali Grauer, and using the Cortex Prime system, this show is perfect for anyone just getting started listening to actual plays, and veterans of the tabletop genre alike. Join clever but anxious Kieran, bold, fast-talking Cece, and the loyal and strong June aboard the Red Audrin ship as they sort and deliver mail, encounter powerful magic, and learn the proper skills of an Ariner along the way. Right wrongs, do mercies, and take flight. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. To strangers who've ever been kind And once for our friends near rise Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters. 
the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. Shot Podcast.com.